When you take a world-class retoucher and have them create their own art, you end up with amazing work. Today, it's Kelly Robitaille on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the stories and challenges that happen in between. I'm Steve Brazel, and today I've got a great guest for you. I want to get into it quick. I do need to do a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, if you are a podcast listener and using a podcast application, make sure that when you go to the iTunes store or wherever and you search for Behind the Shot, that you choose either the Behind the Shot video feature or behind the shot audio feed. If it just says behind the shot, it's the old network show that hasn't been updated for a year, but it's still in iTunes. And so I want to make sure that you subscribe to one that's actually getting updates at this point. At the same time, if you're going to leave either a rating, numerical star rating, or review, please make sure you also leave it on the right feed. You can follow us all over the place online. Throughout the show, I'll be popping up my lower third so that you can find me on the web. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. All of those lower thirds will be popping up. It'll make it a little easier for you. But let me just give you the domain really quick for the podcast. That way, as you're listening to this show, especially if you're listening to the audio feed, you can run by the website, check out the photo. It makes it a little easier to listen in your car. The website for the podcast is behindtheshot.tv. And of course, my domain is stevebrazel.com. It's like the country Brazil, but with an extra L. So let's get into today's guest. Now, before I bring her on, let me just do a little a little intro here. I had a recent episode with somebody I consider to be one of the most talented people on the planet that I know, Renee Robbins. She's a friend, and she is an amazing photographer and an amazing compositor and an amazing digital artist. And Renee has recommended guests to me before. She recommended, if you watch the episode with Anya Auntie. Anya was a recommendation. We were in Vegas at WPPI at a bar, and she pulled Anya over and said, you need to be on his show. Well, she recommended today's guest to me, and I've learned at this point that if Renee Robin recommends somebody to me, your best bet is just get them on the show. So I immediately reached out, and Kelly Robitaille on the show. How are you, Kelly? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm really good that I've got you on because when Renee recommended you to me, like I always do, I get recommendations all the time, and unfortunately, I only do two shows a month or sometimes three, depending on the number of weeks, every two weeks. So... I get a lot of recommendations. Sometimes I can't get to. So I always go look at people's websites. And as soon as I went and looked at your website, it was jaw on the floor silence. (laughs) Because what you do is literally nothing short of amazing. So let's talk about you a little bit and we'll get into the photo that we're going to discuss today. First of all, you are Canadian based and your bio and your website calls you a commercial retoucher and photographer. But there's kind of more to it than that. When when people ask you, you know, kind of what's your your you know world of photography and art, how do you describe it? Okay, so I honestly just call myself an artist. Um, I've been arting forever, so for me, it's art. Um, it's just that photography is my medium. Um, So the retouching and everything sort of stems from people seeing my artwork. So um, that's kind of where I base it all at is my artwork's my starting point. And then everything else that I've built has sort of come from there. Which, okay. So there's there's, there's an interesting kind of intersection here. When you look through your retouching portfolio, 
you have retouched literally photographs of Hollywood A-listers, mm-hmm. right? So explain to me how that works. I'm let's let's say I'm photographer A, and I'm shooting you know A-list actor or actress, but for some reason I'm not a great retoucher. Do I come to you and hire you to do the retouching for me? I mean, how does that process of of being only a retoucher work? Um, so interesting story. So um, I reached out to a photographer that um, I've admired for a while. So his name is Brian Bowen Smith, and he does a lot of celebrity photography. So I'd reached out to him on Instagram and just said, I love your work. And if you have any um, advice for someone who's, you know, looking to get into retouching or, you know, looking to expand my business, can you let me know, you know, what, what you feel about my work and, and any advice? I'd love it. And uh, so not expecting to hear back. Um, so they're in California. So they're three hours behind us. So it was midnight and I was laying in bed. My phone went off and it was a message on Instagram from Brian saying how much he loved my work and my color grading and, and my retouching. And was I interested in doing some retouching for him? And of course, I'm like freaking out and screaming and it's midnight and trying to be professional, but not doing a very good job at it. And uh, so we chatted a little bit over Instagram and then he said, well, what's your number? I'm going to give you a call. So it's like 1230 AM and Brian Bowen Smith, who I love is calling my phone. So he, he loved my work. It was a fluke that, you know, I just happened to take the initiative and reach out and, um, you know, put my, myself out there. And he sent me some images of Matt Bomer and said, can you edit these for me? And we'll see how it goes. And uh, the next day I did and sent them back and he said, perfect, tired. And we've been working together ever since. So, um, and then a lot of things from there have sort of stemmed from um, him um, throwing my name out into the universe of, you know, photographers. And so that's uh, some, I uh, I talk with some of the um, people of, um, the actors and actresses. So maybe they'll come back to me with other projects. And um, I've, I've built a pretty good uh, repertoire of, of, of people that are interested in my retouching. So, the, I mean, it just sort of steamrolled from there. The, the portfolio that you have magazine covers and headshots and seriously, people, you need to go look, I'm, I'm putting for the people on the video feed, I'm putting Kelly's lower third up with her domain, but your website is kellyrobitai.com and spell the name for us just really quick. My name? Yeah. R-O-B-I-T-A-I-L-L-E. All right. So it's kellyrobitai.com. K-E-L-L-Y-R-O-B-I-T-A-I-L-L-E.com. That's and right. go looking through the portrait sessions, which are really fascinating. Then she has a separate section for creative portraits. And then she has what we're going to talk about today whimsical waifs and the way that you okay so whimsical waifs exaggerated body features and forms and large eyes and things like that is how did the concept of that come about okay so um like i said earlier i've been arting since i was itty bitty um and art has always sort of been an escape for me um dealing with a lot of things through childhood so art's been an escape for me so um as i was going through uh my teen years i wanted to focus on art um and then everyone of course says art's not a career and 
went into graphic design is, and that's where I learned Photoshop was through my graphic design. And then when I um, decided to have kids, um, my, my career took a, a back seat to the, to the kids. And um, I started playing around with photography because I wanted to take photos of my children and um, yeah. It, so anyways, so it's just one of those things where um I hadn't had the ability to be creative because I'd been working for other people. I had kids. And then one day I sort of sat down at my computer and I had this photo that I had taken of a friend and I started to play around with my personal aesthetic, um, which is cartoony and uh, I guess sort of anime, but I'm not really into anime, but my aesthetic is sort of anime and my aesthetic is sort of dark. And I started playing with all these little bits and pieces and thankfully have the, the knowledge in Photoshop to to pull it off. And it was just like a light bulb moment. Um, so it's 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 art that I've been creating my whole life, but I'm just doing a better job at it because I have the tools and techniques to do well, it. So and and your skill set, as it were. The picture that we're going to talk about today, which I haven't brought up yet, I will shortly, but the picture we're going to talk about today is is a perfect example of the skill set on steroids, right? Because a lot yeah. of people do retouching and could never, ever do this. And a lot of people do, not whimsical waves, but a lot of people do, you know, the, the, uh, the almost cartoony type effects, but again, they look cartoony. Yeah. And your skill set has brought you to a point where you do these looks and they're real. I mean, they 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 look real. Like this person could be in the room with you, and yet, of course, clearly they're not real. This skill set has led you into being involved with Pro Edu. Uh, you've got a class on surreal retouching that people, and I'm yeah. putting the lower third up, but just go to Pro Edu and search for Kelly, and and you'll find her class on that. And a hundred custom Photoshop textures are at Pro Edu. And all of this has also led you to being one of the the people that were featured in the gallery at Kelby One. So let's get into this shot a little bit. As I bring the shot up, let me say the name of the shot, which is Fork You, which I dig. (laughs) For those on the video feed, I'm going to try and describe it. And every episode I say the same sentence, it gets harder and harder every episode to describe some of the photographs that we pull up. So let me try and do this. This This is a woman in a portrait session, but she's dressed Elizabethan in that she has almost an Elizabethan style collar. She has a crown on and she has the makeup and hairdo of somebody from an Elizabethan age. However, (laughs) a big, however, the crown is made of forks. She's using a fork to pull her eyes open one for each eye. Her body form is, Barbie-esque in that it's the thin waist, but but larger upper torso. And yet, again, I've got to really stress this, which I want to get into a little bit today, but she's real. It's so freaking real. So let's talk about the, the shot itself. Let's get the technical stuff out okay. first, because this, this was an actual portrait session. I'll show the behind the scenes coming up. But the exposure in the EXIF data for the standard portrait that you then took into Photoshop and manipulated was a portrait taken at 250th of a second, F3.5, ISO 400, and it was shot on a 50 millimeter 1.8 at 50 millimeter, but it's a Nikon D5300, which is a crop body. So effectively, this is a 75 millimeter shot. 
I have so many questions on this. Let me start here. <laughs> when you are doing the Whimsy Wave series, right? Do you sit down with each Whimsy Wave shot and do you do you have a pre-visualization of what you're going to do because I don't know how this is in somebody's head. Yes, generally. I mean, you realize um, you made a woman with forks around her head. Yeah, well, I'm special. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot going through my head. Um, It's, I feel like it's really important as, um, as artists to have a story. Um, And that's part of the process for me. Um, Not everything I've done, um, I mean, there's been times when I have a few hours and I, I have a model who has a few hours and, you know, we go shoot and something comes of it. But generally speaking, there's a concept that arises beforehand and sketching. Um, I sketched this one out almost identically to what um, you see on the screen with the final product. You storyboarded it? You actually mute, uh, You actually drew it out? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so, so, I, so I draw them out. Um, Again, I used to draw a lot. I don't really anymore, so my drawing skills aren't <laughs> aren't very good anymore. But um, it just gives me um, incentive behind the image. So when I go in to shoot the image, I have a bunch of other um, poses and um, you know closer up and further away and side profiles and not. But um, when I decided to create this image, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew where I wanted the forks to be. I knew that I wanted, because there's a story behind it. So, um, okay. What's the story? Yeah. Okay. So the idea behind this is fork you. So, I mean, we can all, yeah, yeah, we can extrapolate what that means. (laughs) Um, so, so the idea behind this is that, um, we all deal with ridicule. Um, and there's so many opinions of us and other people have so many opinions of us and it eats away at you, right? When you listen to other people and their thoughts about you or your work or the way you raise kids or the way your marriage is, everyone has an opinion on what you're doing with your life. Um, so we have a choice. We can either take those things and, and you know, ball them up inside and, and let them break us down or we can choose to reinvent ourselves And that's exactly what she's doing is she's reinventing herself. So the fork up by her head is um, sort of like her giving in. So, you know, she's, she's thought about it. She's giving in to, to these, these horrible things that people are saying, or these opinions they have. The other one where she's pulling her eye open, she's seeing the reality of it. And then she's making the crown for herself. So she's taking all those bad things and she's creating something beautiful out of all the negative things that people have said to her. That is fascinating. (laughs) And, and again, I've, I've got to stress this for the people on the audio feed. Go look at the picture because you managed to make, Kelly, unusual imagery that feels normal, right? Yeah. So she clearly is a creation based on a photograph, but you've manipulated it into this otherworldliness. And yet the realness in this photo is is really difficult to describe. Her eyes have a glassiness and a 3D effect and this this brilliance as though she's this this creature is looking at me. How ah my god the questions are just going <laughs> crazy here. So how do you take what is an actual picture though and maintain the realism as you distort it? 
I think it has just to do, I do a lot of painting in Photoshop. So um, uh, initially I go in and I enlarge eyes and um, her hair, I've sort of expanded the hair and I made the forks longer and I make her fingers really tiny. And the reason that I make like her torso really small or her arms really small um, and the reason that they're called whimsy waves is because a waif is small and frail. And um, and these girls that I create, they're, they're frail. They're telling a story. Um, the stories often um, aren't the, the nicest in my mind, right? They, they're starting off sort of negative. Um, they're dealing with things. Um, and in my mind, as my story progresses, they sort of uh, overcome these these trials that they're dealing with so um but i want them to be frail so i make the eyes really big because eyes tell so much of a story so the eyes are big and the bodies are small and they're meant to look meek and frail and i have one shot to draw the viewer in so um if i just have a normal woman sitting you know, and I, and I added the photo, I, I mean, I think it would still have impact, but I just think to, to give you that initial jolt and to make you stop and look at it. Um, I, I manipulate these things to be extreme because I want that impact initially. So, um, it's, it's interesting because the old saying is obviously with every portrait, it's all about the eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. I so, agree. And and in every type of photography, from landscape to portraiture to music photography, there's always this idea of you want to make sure that you bring the viewer's attention, you lead the viewer's attention to the subject matter that you have. So it might be doing a vignette, it might be dodging and burning to get the attention where you want it. And you've used your your understanding of light and your understanding of retouching and dodging and burning and focus, bringing the viewer's focus to the eyes Mm-hmm. which are the point of any portrait. Let me show the behind the scenes on this thing really quick. So on one side, you see the original portrait. And on the other side, you see the final work. And the original, okay, so your your final work is cropped in a portrait mode. You've got it cropped in. I'm going to get into composition later. But what I find interesting here is the way you've cropped it where you're cutting off a shoulder, cutting off an elbow, tight to the head, tight to the waist, the photograph that you've sent me of the before, the actual photograph, you framed it that way in camera. I mean, you clearly had a viewpoint here. Yeah. You went in and you you did so much to this shot, which we'll get into the post-processing in a minute, but, but I find these things interesting I got to bring up. You chose to curve the fork pointing at her temple. You yeah. chose to modify the collar at points. There's areas there's it's very subtle. If you look real quick, it's almost like the collar's normal. But there's a couple points on the finished work where the bottom part of the collar on her chest or, or neck or shoulder bones sticks out a little farther as though you manipulated or stretched or did what you needed to accentuate the collar. The lighting on the collar, completely different and accentuated. Mm-hmm. As you are doing your her fingers, oh, oh, here was the other thing I needed to bring up. It, ju- it just hit me. The hand that's down in front of her holding the vertical fork. This is going to sound weird, people, but it's true. The wrinkles and creases in the palm of her hand look more realistic than in the actual photo. (laughs) So when you're sitting down to retouch this thing, is all of that in your head at once? Or are you more like a painter with a blank canvas and you're working your way in segments across the screen working on it? 
I, I just, I just work on it. Um, when it comes to the retouching, like I said, I know what I want um, the final image to feel like, and I have a general idea of what I want it to look like. Um, but I think it's, I think it's the artist in me. I, I paint on the image. Um, I'll go back to it. I mean, this one took me days. days well, there's days a good question. Complete, how long, so. how long does a picture like this take you to make in post? It, it depends on the picture. Um, it depends on how much um, of the story I feel is needing to be told. Um, this one took me a while just because I wanted to get it right. I actually use this picture um, as the release image for my te te textures with ProEDU. Okay. So I wanted it to be perfect because it was showing showcasing the release of my textures. So um, that's in the back. You can see in the red behind her. That's that's all the textures. Well, and actually, that um, was one of my questions was clearly, if if I bring up the before shot again, it was a striped background before. You've changed the background. You've added an, a texture overlay. Mm -hmm. On all your whimsy waifs, do you tend to go that way? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I love the way that um, a texture feels. Um, I love putting grain on top of my images. I love just... Uh, just making it a little less perfect, right? I, I want it to look like a piece of art. I know it's not, I know it's a photograph, but I want it to look like I've sat and painted it. So that's really important for me. You've got really a color go overlay on this that completely oh, yeah. changes the color from the original photograph. Yeah. You also, again, I, 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 I'm trying so hard to figure out how you make the eyes so realistic looking. <laughs> is, there a, is there a trick when you're, that's clearly some close up work. Is oh, there yeah. a trick oh, to get yeah, that glassy right look? Um, so again, I, I just sort of paint over the whole image. So what I'll do, it's basically the same as adding um, like a frequency separation layer. Oh. Um, so I have the high layer and, and the low layer. And then I put a layer in between. So I still retain all of the skin texture. Um, and then I paint underneath that layer. So um, I, like I'll go right in and I paint in the waterline. I paint around the lips. I'll paint highlights on the nose. Um, I paint in makeup. Um, I but you're doing, all, you're doing all of that on its own layer in between the yep. low frequency. For those of you that don't do frequency separation, the low frequency is where you separate the color segmentation of an image from the detail of an image. The detail goes on the high frequency. Right. Do I got it right? High frequencies detail. Yep. yep. And the low frequency is just the color. It gives you it gives you the ability if you are touching somebody's skin and they're blotchy to smooth out and correct the color without messing the pores or vice versa to smooth out a bride's wedding dress that might have lace in it. But you don't want to mess with the color. But you add a layer in between purely for painting. Yeah, just for painting. And it might be several layers. Um it depends on what I want to play with the opacity with, or if I feel like um, I'm happy with the painting that I've done and I'm experimenting, then I'll add another layer on top of that. So interesting. Now, how do you get, because clearly again, based on that before shot, this is a normal picture with normal skin that doesn't match the background. Right. And the, the, the crown band around her forehead and the forks look like tin right? Look like just cut metal. Here, it looks like aged. I mean, this looks like a crown. It looks like it's, it's an old crown. How do you color blend when you're compositing these things using those retouching skills that you have? How do you unify all of that, that color harmony? Um, I mean, it depends on 
generally it's, I don't do a whole lot of composite, so I don't really have to worry about switching colors to match because okay. it's, it's not a composite. And even with this, um, around her head, I've actually just zoomed in, took a piece of the fork out. Um, I don't even know which one it was, but I took like the base of the fork and I just expanded it and then, uh, just masked it in. Um, so, and again, oh, it's just, Oh, hold on a second. So, okay. Yeah. So in the, in the, let me pull up the behind the scenes again. Cause Oh, now I'm getting it. So that was <laughs> just a piece of tin yeah. with oh, forks yeah. on it. it. Was, that was actually, um, a visor from the dollar store, like the visor. Okay. Um, so I cut the visor part off and super glued the forks. But to it. then you took a piece of the fork and str- overlaid that onto it. Yep. So it really is. Okay. So you're adding metal yep. to something. Okay. Gotcha. Got yep, it. it makes yep, yep. so much more so, sense. And I mean, the, uh, there's no color correcting really with that because it's the same image, but right. um, I mean, in terms of like tonality with the image, I, I prefer sort of a vintage look and I prefer um, a painted look. So that just, I mean, you know, throwing a solid color over and changing the blending mode or, you know, painting over top of it. I just, uh, selective color. I just sort of play with it until I get the feel that I want. So, I mean, there's really no rhyme or reason. I wish there was, but again, just from an artistic point of view, I take the tools that I have available to me within Photoshop and I play with it until I hit somewhere where I'm happy. Or, you know, if, um, if I like the way the background looks, but it doesn't work well on her skin tone, I'll mask that out and do something else. So it's, it's just, a, it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, I wish I could make it more complicated than it is, um, but it's just, it's just a personal preference. And it's, again, I say this to people all the time when they take my tutorial and they want to create this artwork and they're trying to do exactly what I do. And it's not about doing what I do. I want, and the reason I did the tutorial, I want people to be creative. So, you know, I can tell you exactly what I've done to this image, but it's not going to matter because when you do your own work, you're going to edit right. it the way you want to edit it. It's your art, make it your own, tell a story, you know, be be original and do something artistic. So, um, you know, I mean, I have little things that I do to, to change my tones and I paint and I do a variety of things. But um, again, it's just personal preference. Like, like as an example, in this picture, clearly the skin tone has a, a color and a texture to it. Would that have been a color overlay? Would that have been painted on? Would it would it have um, been been no, a layer of color with a blend mode? No, it's it's actually painted this one specifically. I will do um, blend modes sometimes, um, or to match, I'll do saturation and get rid of some of the, okay. the reds and stuff. But um, for this one specifically. Honestly, I just did the frequency separation layer, added a layer in between, or sorry, frequency separation, did a layer in between, and then I just paint over the skin and I make it cohesive and and uh, I get the tonality that I want. But I mean, like when I say painting, I don't mean I just take like a big brush and just, you know, run over the whole the whole face. I'm like going in and doing the creases in the nose and, you know, this tone might hand. be different than this the tone, might be, you know, so yeah, yeah. So the, the creases in the hand, the same thing, right? It's that's part of the story. So um, there could be, you know, like, I want to say several, but it's more than several different tones in there. So I just, it's like an artist where I'm mixing my paint. It's the same thing. I'm using the eyedropper tool. I'm, you know, I'm painting in just a variety of, of, of colors and tones. So looking at the original, there's one thing I noticed, and that was it looks like it's two catch lights, except one of them is reflecting in such a way as to create a third catch light in one of the eyes, but I'm guessing this was a two light setup. 
since you're manipulating the image so much, does lighting play a huge role? And more importantly, does makeup play a huge role? Or it doesn't really matter so much because you're going to do so much painting after the fact. Um, I have a specific way that I like to um, shoot in terms of lighting. Um, I have a tendency to do more split lighting because I like the drama of the darker side of the face. Um, <sighs> so split lighting would be a key light on one side that's a stopper so yeah. brighter than a fill light on the other side to get more of of a, a one half of the face being shadowy and one one half bright. Yeah, it's just it adds drama. And that's what I'm looking for is drama. Um, and in terms of the makeup, um, I think that it's a, so the initial image. The best way for me to describe it is it's my starter canvas. So it would be like an artist taking a canvas and doing a quick sketch on a canvas. And then we build from there. So I sort of feel like that's what it is for me. It's um, it's my starter canvas. And then I'm just building on top. So of course, the makeup's important. I have a, an amazing makeup artist that I work with, um, who's actually the model in this picture. Um, and uh, we, we talk about the makeup that we want. And again, it's the base canvas, but I'll change things. Like I can't remember if I changed the color of her lipstick or not in this image, but like I'll paint other makeup in, or I'll add, you know, like color to the nose and things like that. So, um, as much as it is important, and I think it's important to have, um, an idea of where you're going with your final image. It's not, to me, it's not the be all and the end all, because I feel like I can create those things in post anyways. But, so. but it's a start. Did, did you have the idea of bending the fork before you shot it or was that in post? That was actually an afterthought. So um, it's obviously straight in, in, in the pre-shot the initial image. Yeah. Um, but again, the reason that I chose to bend it was because that fork represents um, her sort of giving into the opinions of others. And that's a warped uh, to, to me anyway, that's a, a warped way to sort of live your life. So that's why I've been this, the fourth. See, I love Just, the story behind it. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, the composition, again, she's not for the, those on the audio feed, she's not centered. She's pretty much on a rule of third. She's got the elbows cut off on both sides, but the shoulders are there, but she's tight to the right side. So it's, it's filling the frame. You're almost, it's almost like you're looking through a window. You're obviously a Photoshop user. Yes. In the end result, this is my real curiosity for somebody that does retouching like you do. In the end image, how many layers would this picture have? So I'm bad. I actually merge my layers. You constantly. do? Wow. I thought most retouchers left all the layers. I do when I'm retouching um, like commercial stuff. But for my artwork, I'm constantly merging. Um, and again, it's, I think it's just the artist in me. I make the choices and I feel like once I've made those choices, that's final. I don't want to have the ability to go back. So I'm, I merge everything and then I just continue to work. <laughs> Has it ever burned you? Not really. Wow, man. No, I, I, because I'm, I, as I merged down command, you know, command shift, yeah. uh, command option shift E or whatever, or, or command E to merge down. As I merge yeah. down, I would have this, my, my heart would stop for half a second. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I love what I do and I'm so passionate about every image that I create. And I think as I go, it's just, um, 
I'm just building and building and building. And, and so I'll flatten it and then, you know, start painting again or, you know, adding different elements. And I think it's just, um, just a testament to the, to the actual story. Right. I don't like it's, it's, it's finalized and I'm happy with it. And why would I go back if I'm feeling secure about it in that moment? And also, I mean, if something doesn't look right, I have a tendency to, to flip my images to see how they look. Um, so this if I go one back was flipped in actually. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I notice like I'll flip it in one of the eyes will like significantly be different than the other or, you know, something to that effect. And then I'll fix it and then flip it back the other way. Um, but um, I, I don't know. It's just, this is how it's supposed to be. I created it this way. If I need to fix something, even if it's flattened, I can puppet warp or, you know, liquefy or, um, you know, paint it out or clone it out or whatever I need to do. So um, I know that a lot of people are very anti merging. I've heard it before. That was one of the things in my tutorial that someone said was that um, I, I, I work in a very destructive way and I know I do. For this, but again, it's my artwork. Um, it's not for a client; it's mine. So you said something that's interesting. And that is that you flip an image sometimes to see if an eye stands out more. And I learned yeah. from my friend Troy Miller in judging images or deciding on on how where the subject of your image is. And it's one of my favorite tricks now is just in Lightroom or wherever to rotate an image upside down because yeah. when an image is upside down, it tends to remove the reality of the shapes and the brightest yeah. image or the image that really do, the, the part of the image that really draws your eye suddenly becomes like a magnet to you. And you'll know yeah. where the viewer's eye is going to go when that image is upside down. How does yeah. an image like this relate to normal retouching? Um, it's, it's pretty similar to the way that I retouch. Um, it's just more extreme. It's like my retouching on steroids. So like my commercial retouching on steroids. So, so if, um, if someone wanted, if someone, someone went to pro edu, they took your surreal retouching class, which is what it's called. Surreal retouching. Yep. And they wanted to start getting into trying to make surreal images like this, but with their own voice, right? Like you said mm-hmm. earlier, don't it's don't important. mimic yeah. Kelly. Go in and find the story. She had a story with this based on her history. Find the story you want to tell. What's your one important tip for somebody that wanted to try and make surreal images like this? Well, it's, it's very difficult for me. Um, I have people that message me all the time and want critique on their work. Um, and I have a very hard time critiquing someone else's work because... Again, from my perspective, this is your art. So if you've created it and you're happy with it and you're happy to put it out into the universe, obviously you're happy with it for a reason. So who am I to judge you on your artwork? Now, if I notice like some people, they'll expand the eyes, but they only do it in liquefy. And then the pupils will, you know, sort of be oblong or something like I'll, I'll mention things like that. But I, I guess ultimately it's just you, you need, sorry. No, I was going to say, you said they'd only do it in Liquify, which which indicates there should be another tool involved. Puppet work? Yeah, so I, so I actually cut out the eyes and expand them. Oh. And then mask the eyes out and place them back on the face. And then I'll go in and Liquify. So. Wow. Okay. So basic retouching. Let's go to just standard portraiture here, right? From a basic retouching point of view, what are the best tools people need to learn to use and what are the best retouching tip? Best tools. I think 
color grading is really important and learning how to use your curves properly. Um, curves has been a lifesaver for me. I feel like um, that makes a huge difference in my retouching, which is, I guess, odd, but um, I love curves. Um, and again, skin is so important, right? That's the make or break with retouching. If your skin looks fake, then, you know, you've killed the image. So I would say that that the best thing um, that I've ever done is learning how to just really manipulate the skin to look realistic, but still look um, touched up without, you know, going extreme. But, uh, and then, like I said, this is, how do you dodge and burn? Do you dodge and burn using a dodge and burn tool or do you cr do the, you know, was it gray. A, a, a layer of 50% gray yeah. put into, I'm trying to think of the, the overlay mode, the blend mode um, might be overlay, right? Is it overlay I think, or I can't remember or soft light? One of those two. And then you, you paint yeah, black yeah. or white on it. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's again, important too. dodge and dodge and burn is massive. So is that most of your retouching, dodging and burning? Um, for my artwork or for just general for retouching? normal retouching work. Yeah. A lot of it is a lot of it is. Um, I, I also paint even just for my general retouching work, I'll, I'll go in and I'll paint. Like if someone has dark circles, I'll, I'll use the, the frequency stuff and add a layer and just, you know, clean up some dark circles or, um, you know, if there's color variations in the skin or something, I do that too. So I know that that again is not sort of the norm, but it works for me and it's it's where I com I'm comfortable at. So yeah, dodging and burning, definitely. Um, and then obviously a little bit of skin painting and, and that's just a personal preference. So. Okay. So if people want to find more about you, they want to look at your Whimsy Waifs catalog, they want to look at your creative portraiture stuff or the magazine covers where you've done retouching, what's your website again? It's uh, kellyrobitai.com. Okay. And then- um, Facebook is, as I recall, Kelly Robitaille Photography. Yes, I was wrong. It's Kelly Robitaille Photography, not Kelly Robitaille. So, okay, but on yeah, Instagram. Uh, Instagram is Kelly Robitaille. Okay. Yeah. And where can people go to get your surreal retouching and 100 custom Photoshop textures? That is uh, at the ProEDU website, which is, I think it's just ProEDU.com. And then you can just search my name or search up in tutorials uh, and it's there. And actually, or I will have a me, link, so. a direct link to the Surreal Retouching and the 100 Custom Photoshop Textures. I'll have direct links to each of those in the blog post associated with Perfect. this episode at BehindTheShot.tv. And I will have all of Kelly's links there, some information on her, a small gallery of her work. And trust me, go follow this woman on social media because she is such an amazing talent. Thank and you. And if Renee Robin watches this, Renee, dude, <laughs> I owe you one for getting Kelly on the show with me. Kelly, thank I, you so I much. I owe her one. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I truly, honestly, I, you know, it's funny. I will probably never try to do this. You know, in my head, I so wish that I could. Do it. Uh, what do you have to lose? What do I have to lose is a very good point. Thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate <laughs> thank it. Thank you. Thank so you. again, Kelly Robitaille, all the links are on the website, behindtheshot.tv. To anything that she does, go find her on social media, Facebook, Instagram, the ProEDU site for the class and for the textures. I'm Steve Brazel, your host. And as always, this episode will have with it a blog post that has all the information on her and 
Also on the website at BehindTheShot.tv, you can find all the information about me. You can also find me at SteveBrazel.com. It's like uh, Brazil, but two L's. That makes it a little easier for you. If you want to find me on uh, Facebook, it's Steve Brazel Photography or Behind the Shot Podcast. So go hit me up there as well. If you want to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, it's Steve Brazel for my personal one, Behind the Shot TV for the podcast one. And please, I always try and reach back to anybody that hits me up and reaches out to me. I was just on the Photo Taco podcast and I got a bunch of responses from that. I'm on Don Komarechka's podcast a lot. If you haven't watched Photo Geek Weekly, you should do that. I could, You know what? I should do an episode just saying all the other podcasts that I like. But that does it for this episode. As always, Behind the Shot, where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you on the next show. 